Welcome back to The Rollout. I'm Jeff Pratt, and joining me as always is Trent Henrich. How's it going, Trent? It's going well. You know, I'm glad to record an episode of The Rollout with you in person. Absolutely, man. All right, in today's episode, Trent and I are going to be predicting busts, breakouts, and sleepers for the 2020 fantasy football season. We've come up with five players for each section, so without further ado, let's get into our busts. Trent, who is your first bust for this season? Yeah, my first bust for the 2020 season is going to be Kenyon Drake. I think the Cardinals' offense is going to be very crowded this year. I think targets and touches are going to be spread around a lot, especially with Hopkins joining the system. Larry Fitzgerald being one of the greatest wide receivers of all time is still on this Cardinals team. Kirk has been developing a strong role in the Cardinals' offense. And they want Kyler Murray to throw the ball and get some more experience at the quarterback position. So I don't think Kenyon Drake's going to be a, a focus in this offense. And I think at, at being an average draft position of eight in most fantasy PPR drafts, I just think that's very high for him, and he's not going to reach those expectations. Yeah, that's fair. I certainly contemplated putting Drake in my top five. But for me, I went with another running back that's going around where he is in Austin Eckler. When you look at Austin Eckler, a lot of people are expecting him to step into Melvin Gordon's role as the workhorse for this Chargers offense. I'm not certain that he's going to be able to carry that workload. When you look at his stats last year, he did most of his damage through the air. He caught 92 balls for 993 yards and had 11 total touchdowns, but on the ground, he only rushed for 557 yards. So the question really consists of, is he able to be a workhorse back for this team? I think that Justin Jackson certainly could take a bigger role in this offense. And Eckler, I just don't think he's worth drafting where he's going, which is the high second round. Yeah, I think Eckler's an interesting player of the season. I think his ceiling can be a player like Christian McCaffrey just because he has those re receiving capabilities. But I don't know if, like you said, he can handle that running back workload and taking that many carries in a season. I think we'll have to wait and see how the season plays out. Yeah, absolutely. So who's your second bust? Yeah, my second guy this season is Allen Robinson. Right now he's being drafted around 37 in, in PPR formats. It's not a question of talent for Robinson in this scenario. It's just a question of who's going to be his quarterback. I think if Trubisky plays quarterback for this Bears offense, that he's not going to um, you know, catch a lot of balls because Trubisky isn't a very accurate quarterback, in my opinion. And if Foles is the quarterback in this system, he's going to struggle just because he doesn't have a connection or an established relationship with Nick Foles. So I just see his numbers decreasing based on who he's going to have throwing him the ball. Yeah, that's fair. If you actually watched the Bears games last year, most of Allen Robinson's catches were horrible reads by Mr. Trubisky, just throwing the ball into double, triple coverage. And that just really is a testament to Robinson's talent to be able to come down with those balls. But I completely agree with you. His fantasy ceiling this year depends entirely on who's under center for the Bears uh, this season. So my second bust is actually Mike Evans, who's one of the more talented receivers in the league. He finished as wide receiver 15 last year, had a bit of a down year, had a career low in catches with 67, still was able to rack up over 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. But you look at the Bucks going into this season, they replaced Jameis Winston with Tom Brady. The passing volume there takes a significant drop. And then Chris Godwin is continuing to elevate. He's going into the third year of his career. Uh, he arguably outplayed Mike Evans last year and took over the wide receiver run one role for the Buccaneers. And then they're also bringing in one of Tom Brady's favorite, if not his most favorite target of all time, and Rob Gronkowski. So 
there's only one football is what I'm trying to get at. Mike Evans, we know how talented he is, but I think it's much more likely you see him catch around 50 balls this year. He'll still put up the yards, he'll still put up the touchdowns, but he won't be worth a second round pick, which is where he's currently going. Yeah, it's just a very crowded offense out there in Tampa Bay, and it's going to be hard for him to produce the same numbers he has in the past. Absolutely. All right, moving on. Who's your third bust? Yeah, my next guy on my list is going to be uh, Raheem Mostert. You know, he had a really strong season last year. He, he performed very well in the playoffs for the Niners. He was a big asset for their, you know, Super Bowl run, even though they came up short. But he only put up 772 yards and eight rushing touchdowns last season. Yeah, he's being drafted, drafted around the 45th mark. And I think there's a lot better running backs you can get in a fantasy PPR standpoint um, for your team and to help you, help you lead your team to a victory. My biggest problem here is I think Tevin Coleman is still a very good running back in this backfield. I think it's going to be a lot of more of a two- or three-headed monster with Jarek McKinnon in that backfield as well. So I think there's some question marks there with Raheem Mostert. I just don't think he's going to be um, just that workhorse back by the end of the season. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you mentioned Jarek McKinnon at the end there, but I'm a huge fan of him. People have really forgotten all about him because his tour, he tore his ACL two years ago, but he signed a pretty decent contract with the 49ers, and it was their intention that he was going to be their workhorse back. So they have three capable number one running backs on that team with McKinnon, uh, Coleman, and Mostert. So that's definitely a situation to keep your eye on going into the season. My third bust is going to be a bit of a surprise because I know you're high on this guy, but it's actually going to be Miles Sanders. And the biggest reason is I hate Eagles running backs. I've always hated them since LaShawn McCoy left that team and went to the Bills, and that's not going to change. They really do not get their running backs uh, worked into their offensive scheme very well. When you look at Sanders, he had a bit of a breakout year last year as a rookie, finished his RB15 from a fantasy standpoint in PPR settings. He had 818 yards on the ground, and he really was effective in the passing game, catching 50 balls for over 500 yards. He had six total touchdowns. So he's really everything the Eagles needed as a running back, but I just don't know if anyone is able to really put up consistent production in the backfield in Philadelphia, and especially if Jalen Hurts is going to step in, play a bigger role than we're expecting him to, if he's going to be that Taysom Hill-esque guy that the Eagles envision him to be, he could certainly take touches away from Sanders. Yeah, I just like Sanders' uh, ceiling. I think he has a really high ceiling because of how well he performed last year. I think he could put up similar or better numbers coming into this next season. I think that the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts does hurt him just because it changes the whole dynamic of the Eagles' offensive scheme. And if it was still just Carson Wentz at quarterback, because he gets injured so often, I think his value would be much higher. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's move on to your fourth bust. Yeah, my fourth guy is Kareem Hunt. For me, it's just uh, Nick Chubb is such a strong running back. He was the second or third best rusher in the NFL last season. He almost won the rushing title. And Kareem Hunt, for me, is just he's not that good of a player. I know you really like him and how he performed in Kansas City. I just think what he did is going to stick with him. And he's, he, he'll never be the guy in Cleveland. Could he put up decent numbers? I guess. But... 56 draft position and PPR standpoints. I don't think that uh, is realistically where he's going to finish and be worth drafting in that round. And I also think that Kareem Hunt, if he puts up decent numbers, he's going to get traded anyways. So he's not a guy who's going to stay here 
for a long period of time. Yeah, he's definitely not going to be with Cleveland for the long haul. I'll agree with you there. But I do think he's going to have a pretty decent fantasy season just because he's so versatile. While he can play in the backfield, he's also really effective out of the slot, which is where the Browns are planning on using him reportedly this season. And they can also run a couple of two running back sets. Uh, I just think they're definitely going to find a way to get him more involved. But, you know, I respect that decision. My fourth bust is actually going to be Amari Cooper. Cooper had arguably the best season of his career last year with the Cowboys, finished as wide receiver 10. He had 79 catches for almost 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. He was the elite guy that the Cowboys wanted him to be, at least at home in Dallas on the road. He was a bit of a no-show. But looking at Dallas, they brought in a very capable receiver in C.D. Lamb, whose potential is higher than either of the other two guys, whether that's Cooper or Michael Gallup in that offense. And while C.D. Lamb could take a while to get adjusted to this offense, I think that he's quickly going to become one of Dak's favorite targets. And as he gr- grows and gets you know, further up in the depth chart, he's going to be taking away touches from Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, who I think is going to slot into that wide receiver three role almost immediately once the season starts. So I don't think Cooper will finish as a top 15 wide receiver this year for sure. Yeah, and I think another reason why there's a good chance he'd be a bust this year is because I think he overperformed and exceeded everyone's expectations on how he would do with the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. So I could definitely see his numbers going down. I don't know if I'd consider him a bust at the end of the season. I think he will still see quite a few targets, even with them having, uh, was it Jerry Judy? Yeah. Uh, and, their, and their wide receiver core now. I just don't, I just think he'll still see plenty of targets from Dak. And I think Zeke's numbers may be affected by having so many wide receivers in Dak, but I still think Cooper will be okay this season. Yeah, and it was C.D. Lamb. Sorry oh, C.D. C.D. Yeah. Lamb, yeah. Hey, C.D. and Judy are pretty much the same player, honestly. They're both really elite. So I completely agree with everything you said, and why don't we move on to your final bust? Yeah, I'm, I got another Dallas bust, and that's going to be Dak Prescott. That's crazy. I, I know you love him. QB2 last year. He thinks he's going to be QB2 this year, but Dak, for me, is just he's not the guy in that system. I don't think he deserves whatever contract he's chasing of like $45 million a year or whatever that number is. And I think the Red Rockets going to take over this this system. He's going to be their starting quarterback right out of the season because Dak is going to underperform. He's going to have all these targets with him. He's not going to get the job done. And, you know, Andy Dalton's going to be their savior. You know, for as much as you talk about Andy Dalton snatching this starting quarterback job from Dak Prescott, who I think, by the way, will get this ridiculous contract that you're uh, talking about. And I will admit that it is ridiculous. He's not worth that much money. But from a fantasy standpoint, he is as elite as they get, besides maybe Patrick Mahomes in the league right now. Um, but yeah, I, if, if Andy Dalton does end up taking over for Dak, I will give you $100. I'll say that right now. And awesome. that, 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 is, uh, that is in the recording. It's definitely not going to happen unless there's an injury that comes with Dak. But we'll move on because we've talked about Dak enough in these podcasts. My final uh, bust is a guy that I know you're high on this year, and that's James Conner. He had a bit of a down year in 2019, finished his RB35. He actually only played 10 games due to injuries. He didn't even rush for 500 yards, and he wasn't really effective out of the backfield catching the ball. He only racked up 34 catches for 250 yards. He had seven total touchdowns. For me, the Steelers have already indicated that they don't plan on pursuing an extension 
for Connor after this offseason. So they're going to let him walk. They drafted Anthony McFarlane in the fourth round out of Maryland. He's a more than capable back. They also have guys like Jalen Samuels in that backfield who I think are more than willing and ready to take over and uh, get the touches that Connor has. So while I do think Connor will still be the guy, at least at the beginning of the year in this Steelers offense, I think that there's a chance he doesn't even finish as a top 20 running back. I think a lot of um, James Conner's value this year is going to come from having Big Ben at quarterback just because they want to take it slow with Big Ben, bringing him back in the system. He's coming off an injury. He's getting up there in age. So having James Conner, who I'd say is an established running back in the league and someone that Big Ben can lean on and hand the ball off to when he's in trouble or you know maybe not feeling comfortable, I think James Conner will see plenty of carries this season. That's fair. All right, so now that we've talked about our busts, it's time to move on to the breakouts. Trent, who's your first breakout for the 2020 fantasy football season? Yeah, my first breakout is a guy I know you and I both love. It's Todd Gurley. Uh, his average draft position is 24 this this year, and I think he can be a top five running back by the end of the season. I think he's going into a Falcons offense that needs someone to kickstart and get them into the playoffs. I think Todd Gurley is that guy. In recent past, he's been the number one running back in the league, and there was no question about that a few seasons back. And to be honest with you, they don't have a running back who's established anymore. Devontae Freeman's gone. Tevin Coleman's been gone. Todd Gurley's going to be the guy. There's going to be no competition for touches. And I just think he's going to have a great season. That's fair. You know, I didn't even consider putting Todd Gurley in this list just because he was playing at such a high level just a few years ago. So I already considered him an elite talent. Uh, and that wouldn't necessarily fall under this breakout category, but I love that you did. I really respect that decision. My first breakout is a guy that both of us are really high on, especially you, and that's DJ Chark in this Jacksonville offense. Uh, last year, he had a breakout year already, but we're looking for him to take another step and maybe even solidify himself as a top 10 fantasy guy. In 2019, he finished his wide receiver 17. He had 73 catches, broke 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns. He was the clear-cut number one receiver for the Jaguars, really is the only capable receiver on that team. And as he and Gardner Minshew, who I know is your guy, continue to build a rapport, Chark is only going to get better. He's only going to produce. He is a guy I'm really high on this year. Yeah, I also have DJ Chark on my list. I think him and the stash are going to create a really strong connection going into this season. They have, They both have a season together under their belt. I think another factor that may help Chark out a lot this season is that Fournette's playing time is in question with this team. I think he's still in contract dispute, and he could have, could end up sitting out. So with that in mind, DJ Chark could really see a lot of targets this season. We know he already will see a ton because, there's, like you said, no other capable wide receivers in this offense. And with Chark's elite speed and elite route running, I don't see how he couldn't uh, you know, be better than his... 60th average draft position. Yeah, absolutely. All right, the second guy that I have in my list, since you also stated that you have Chark, is going to be Calvin Ridley, and he's a really popular breakout pick this year. He finished as wide receiver 27 in 2019. He was injured the last couple games, didn't really get to show his full potential as the clear-cut number two option in this Falcons offense with Austin Hooper gone and obviously Muhammad Sanu. Now he gets the chance to do that. He has 63 catches for 866 yards last year. He's a touchdown machine. He's put up 17 scores throughout the first two years of his career. I think those numbers only continue to jump, and Calvin really is really going to take the next step as the clear-cut number two guy for the Falcons. Yeah, I think this Falcons team in general could really just 
see a totally different team come out in this 2020 season. They struggled last year. They lost a lot of close games uh, down the stretch. And they were in the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. You know, and they still have a lot of those main pieces from both their offense and defense. And I think guys like Calvin Ridley, who are new in this system and can make a big impact because he's young he know, and he has some experience with Matt Ryan, I think he's going to do great. And I think that he's still going to see plenty of targets, even with Julio Jones in that, in that offense, just because they throw the ball so much. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so who's your third breakout this year? Yeah, my next guy is David Johnson. I think I'd call him a breakout just because of how disappointing of a season he had last year. And he's in recent past, he had his big injury that made him sit out a year. I just think David Johnson is going to come back to his old self and he's going to perform on this Texans offense. Right now, his average draft position is 31. And he's, he's kind of like Gurley for me. They both and they were both number one running back just a few years ago. Yet either injuries or just not being on a strong offense um, was the result of them having you know, decreased numbers. I think David Johnson, because especially in PPR, because he's such a good receiving back, he could see some big numbers this year, especially in a Texans offense that... You know, doesn't have an established running back anymore. And I think David Johnson could put up, you know, top seven or eight running back numbers this year. Yeah, he definitely could. All right, I'll move on to my next guy, which is also a David, and he's a running back. He just happens to play for the Chicago Bears, and that's David Montgomery. Uh, looking at Montgomery last year, he had a bit of a disappointing rookie season, especially considering expectations were so high for him coming into the year. He finished as RB24, but when I look at his stats, I see a lot of room for potential. He had 242 carries, racked up almost 900 yards and seven touchdowns. The Bears, in reality, just didn't get him that involved in their offense. Obviously, he did get a bulk of carries, and that's what excites me because Matt Nagy and Chicago, the front office, has really committed to him as their number one guy. So I think that that number could definitely increase by a lot. He could receive a bunch of carries. They could work to make him more of a, fo- a focal point in this Bears offense, and if that happens, he could easily push for top 15 running back uh, uh, production, sorry. Yeah, I think there's no question that, you know, David Montgomery is going to get the touches. He is the running back in that system. I think that the real question mark is, is Tariq Cohen going to keep stealing those, like, third down touches because he's such a better wide receiver and an option that, you know, whoever, if it's Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles, can pitch the ball to. I think that's the biggest question mark, but there's n- there's no doubt in my mind that David Montgomery is going to see a ton of touches this season and an upstick in his numbers. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so who's your fourth guy? My fourth guy is DJ Moore. Uh, you talked about him in the wide receivers episode. I think you had, ha- had him as high as maybe a top five a wide receiver coming did, into this yeah. season fantasy-wise, and I think with a new quarterback and Teddy Bridgewater in this system, who I think is a very strong quarterback and very capable to get DJ Moore a lot of targets and make his life a lot easier by throwing the ball at him rather than having a guy like Kyle Allen throw him the ball. I think that DJ Moore is going to have an amazing season. I think he's going to put up maybe 11, 1,200 yards. He's going to see a lot of targets, that for sure. Greg Olson's out of that system. The only other capable wide receiver is probably Curtis Samuel now. So DJ Moore could see upwards of 200 targets this season. Yeah, DJ Moore, I couldn't agree with you more. He was actually my fourth guy as well. Looking at stats last year, he had 87 catches for almost 1,200 yards and four touchdowns. Going into this season, the next step that we look for him to take is to really 
pick up the touchdown production. Obviously, you can't blame him because he did have guys like Kyle Allen throwing him the ball. And in reality, the Panthers weren't getting to the end zone that much. And when they were, it was Christian McCaffrey scoring, not DJ Moore or any other guy on that team. And, you know, there's a chance that he breaks over 100 receptions with Robbie Anderson in this offense. I wouldn't say it's that likely, but it's definitely possible. And I think that DJ Moore is going to take a huge step as well. So I'll just get into my fifth breakout uh, now, which is going to be DK Metcalf. Metcalf had a really good rookie season, especially towards the end. He really started to come into his own in Seattle, finished as wide receiver 33. He had 58 catches for 900 yards and seven touchdowns. I think there's a very good chance that Metcalf overtakes Tyler Lockett as the number one receiver in Seattle, pushes for over 1,000 yards, double-digit touchdowns, near 75 receptions. I just think that he needs more targets coming his way from Russell Wilson, who doesn't actually throw the ball that much. But assuming that does happen with the normal pro progression you'd expect from a guy like Metcalf, the ceiling is through the roof for him. Yeah, I mean, I love DK Metcalf. He's arguably the most athletic guy we've ever seen. Um, he, he's built like Megatron almost. I mean, he's a big body, very athletic. He's, he's a big target in the red zone as well. And I think we will see his touchdown numbers go up this season. I think Russell Wilson will be forced um, to throw him the ball more just because him and Tyler Lockett, Tyler Lockett doesn't get a lot of catches or targets, and those targets have to go to someone else. DK Metcalf was a rookie last year, so he wasn't you know exactly in an NFL-ready scheme and didn't know all the routes. But now that he knows everything, he has a, a decent relationship with Russell Wilson, I see DK Metcalf, like you said, putting up maybe – uh, 1,100 yards and hopefully 12 touchdowns if he gets a lot of red zone targets. Yeah, that's fair. So who's your last guy? Yeah, my last guy is A.J. Brown. Uh, I think he is one of the most talented young receivers in the NFL, even though, which is the big question mark, is having Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. I think that limits how well he can do. But I think no matter what, he's going to be able to see the most touches in this offense other than Derrick Henry, of course, but he is the main target for Ryan Tannehill to throw to. He's going to see anything from short balls to uh, end zone grabs this whole season just because of how, how athletic he is. And I really like A.J. Brown. Uh, I know you're high on him too, I believe. Yeah, I am high on him. Really, the only thing that concerns me is who's throwing the ball with Ryan Tannehill. We've never loved Ryan Tannehill as uh, fans of a team in the AFC East. We've gotten to watch him play a lot of times. He's just, he's not, he doesn't have what it takes to be that guy. And the Titans paid him like they believe he does. I think that's going to backfire this year. The only thing holding back A.J. Brown is Ryan Tannehill this season because his ceiling is unlimited. Yeah, and I think with the, with the amount of targets he had last season, only at 84, but he still put up over 1,000 yards on 50 catches. If he could just see like maybe 40 more targets this season, which is realistic for him being in his rookie season last year to see quite a few more targets this year, he can be a guy who puts up 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns, which would be pretty valuable on your fantasy team. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. So let's move on to our five sleepers. My first guy is Brandon Cooks. Cooks had a very disappointing season last year, struggled with injuries, especially concussions, which are obviously concerning. That led him to finish as wide receiver 62. He only had 42 catches for 583 yards and only two touchdowns. But when you look at Cooks, this is a guy who is not respected at all throughout the community. 
especially in fantasy. In reality, prior to last season, he put up five straight 1,000-plus yard receiving seasons. The dude is one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. As long as he can stay healthy, he's in a great position with Houston stepping in as hopefully the number one guy in that offense for Deshaun Watson, who we know loves to sling it. Um, and I just think that he could take a huge step in revitalizing his career. Yeah, I'm honestly disappointed I forgot about Brandon Cooks. <laughs> I wish I had him on my list. I think it's a great call. I think people are clearly people are sleeping on him. Yeah, he's, I, he's, I forgot about him. He's falling to the ninth round in fantasy drafts this year, and he's capable of being a top 15 wide receiver in fantasy. We've seen that over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, he is going to be Watson's number one target in, in this offense. And, you know, Brandon Cooks could definitely see uh, upwards of 1,000 yards in production this season like he has in the past. And I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think Brandon Cooks is, is a great sleeper pick. Absolutely. Thanks. I appreciate that. So who's your first guy? My first guy is Jarvis Landry. I think he's kind of similar to Brandon Cooks in which they're very consistent wide receivers. They always put up around 1,000 yards each season. And, you know, Baker Mayfield has struggled with this, you know, Browns offense. They're very stacked. There's a lot of guys for him to throw to. But Jarvis always seems to be the most... Uh, he's one of the most talented guys in the NFL, and he's one of the most, like I said, consistent guys for him to throw to. He's got very safe and secure hands. He's going to see the targets. He'll probably see upwards of 120, 130 targets, but he catches a uh, very high percentage of the balls thrown at him. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on him. We'll let him drop into the seventh and eighth rounds in this, this year's fantasy drafts. Yeah, I mean, I know you love Jarvis Landry. We both think that he's one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. Obviously, he's coming off a pretty serious surgery, but as long as he can progress well throughout his rehab and get ready to be on the field, he has a chance to really solidify himself as the number one option in this Browns uh, offense, which is very surprising considering Odell Beckham Jr. is lining up beside him. But yeah, I, I like that call. And my second guy is actually, actually going to be Ben Roethlisberger, who a lot of people are forgetting how good this guy was, especially as a fantasy quarterback, because he missed the entirety of last season. He's getting up there in age. He had Tommy John surgery. That's obviously very concerning for a quarterback, but We've heard reports that his arm looks really good from his teammates, and if he's able to get back to the playing level he was at, you know, prior to, prior to last season, he put up two straight top five fantasy finishes as a quarterback. He could definitely do that again. He's got the weapons on this offense. The Steelers are going to be contending this year, I think. So I, I just think he's definitely slept on considering he's going in the 12th round of fantasy drafts right now. Yeah, I think it's a great sleeper pick, really based off of him coming off that injury because everyone forgot he even existed almost. I mean, he was a guy who put up sometimes the most touchdowns for quarterbacks in the NFL every season, and he still has really strong targets in guys like Juju and Deontay Johnson, and he can dish down balls to James Conner or whoever else is playing running back. I love Big Ben, and I think he is going to perform well in the Steelers' offense. Absolutely, and you know, uh, a guy we forgot to talk about is Eric Ebron, who provides just another big target for Ben in this offense. So yeah, I think that he's definitely capable of establishing himself as a fantasy asset again this year. So who's your next sleeper? Yeah, my next guy is Tevin Coleman. You know, I talked about, talked about him a little bit earlier just because we talked about Raheem Mostert. And I think Tevin Coleman is going to end up being the starting running back in this offense by the end of next season. He had a four-game stretch after he came back from his injury where he was the lead back. He put up 100 yards in each game, and then he went down with another injury. If he can stay healthy, he will be the best running back, or I think the most talented running back in this backfield. It's more of a question of, 
you know, will he have to split the ball as much with Raheem Oster and Jarek McKinnon, or can he separate himself from the rest of those guys and try to work into more of a workhorse role? Yeah, absolutely. I like that call. I think Tevin Coleman could definitely establish, establish himself as the number one running back in this offense by the end of the year. And we all know how valuable running backs are in that 49ers system because Jimmy Garoppolo is so unreliable as a quarterback for them. The next guy I have as a sleeper is another Texans receiver, and it's Will Fuller. Fuller is one of the most dynamic, speedy, athletic wide receivers we have in this league, but he struggles to be consistent because he gets injured so much. I think he's torn his ACL twice uh, throughout his career. He has had a myriad of knee injuries, whether it's ACLs, MCLs, whatever it is, knees are just a serious problem for him. But when he's on the field, he's always a threat to score. You know, every every year he always puts up a couple of 40-point games because Deshaun Watson really likes to just run and gun. Houston plays with that style of an offense. Uh, Fuller last year, he finished as wide receiver 53. He had just under 50 catches for 670 yards and three touchdowns. Now that DeAndre Hopkins is out of this offense and Brandon Cooks, like we said earlier, he will establish, establish himself as that number one guy, but Fuller is going to be much more uh, trending towards an equal to him than he was with Hopkins in that offense. And assuming that he can stay healthy, which is a big if, I think he has a legitimate shot to finish as a top 20 wide receiver uh, for this Texans team. Yeah, I think him facing the second or, th- or third cornerbacks on a lot of defenses, his speed is going to be very hard to match. You know, before his injury, he's he was one of the fastest players in the NFL, and he was very hard to stop because once the ball's in his hands and he's in the open field, they're not taking him down. So I really like that call with Will Fuller, and I think a lot of people are forgetting about him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, who's your next guy? Yeah, the next guy I went with is a quarterback. I went with Matt Stafford. Uh, right now he's getting drafted at 113th, and that's probably based off of, you know, he's been banged up. Last season he missed, I think he only played in eight games. So, you know, it's hard to base off of how well he might do this season. But in the past, he's put up eight straight seasons of at least 4,200 yards, which is absurd. And now he has an established wide receiver in Kenny Galladay for him to throw to. So I think Matt Stafford is going to have a heck of a season. Hopefully it's more of a, another 4,200-yard season with maybe 30 touchdowns or so. He has a good number of targets in that line system. And if he's coming back and he's coming back healthy, I think a lot of people are forgetting about him. Yeah, absolutely. Stafford is one of the most talented quarterbacks in this league. And he's got some serious weapons with Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay in that offense. He's got a couple of good running backs now with DeAndre Swift and on Johnson. If Johnson can stay healthy, the Lions, they're never good, but that's not because of Stafford and his lack of talent. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, that's for sure. So I actually really like that pick. My next sleeper is Jordan Howard. Howard had a bit of a down year this year, but at the same time kind of revitalized his career uh, in uh, in Philadelphia. He finished as running back 44. He only had 119 rushes, but he turned that into over 500 yards and seven touchdowns, which is what we know Jordan Howard can do. We know he can be a touchdown machine and really just be a guy you can depend on as a workhorse for your team. Uh, he's going into a situation in Miami where it's really wide open for him to take over as that workhorse guy. Matt Breida is his biggest competition, and I've always considered Matt Breida more of a third down running back than a workhorse guy like we know Jordan Howard can be. Um, I'm expecting the Dolphins to be a little better than most people think this year, and 
Jordan Howard is going to receive a ton of carries on the ground, uh, whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua Tagovailoa under center for them. I think he has a legitimate shot considering he's being drafted in the ninth or 10th round of fantasy drafts this year. I think he's a legitimate shot to be a top 25 running back. I mean, the Dolphins in general are my sleeper team this season. I think the Dolphins, I said, could make the playoffs. Well, that's ridiculous. Though. Oh, that's, you know, that's your judgment. I, I think that they have a chance. And I think Jordan Howard is going to have a strong season because, and like you said, there's no established running back there right now. And if two is at quarterback, he's going to need someone to lean on. And Jordan Howard is a very capable receiving back as well. He can catch... All the dump downs that Tua wants to throw to him when he gets into trouble or when he's flustered. So I think Jordan Howard's a, a really good guy to draft. And I think he, he will be a guy you could probably play at flex midway through the season. Yeah, absolutely. All right, who's your next guy? Yeah, my next guy is Brashad Perryman. He's on a new team this season with the Jets. And no one is even thinking about him in fantasy. If I have a draft position right now, is 164. He was on the Bucks last year. And... Arguably the most crowded wide receiving core in the NFL, having Chris Goblin and Mike Evans, who were both, I think, like top five wide receivers last year by the end. And he still put up over 600 yards and six touchdowns. So for him going into this system, who he, he can be the number one wide receiver for the Jets. Sam Darnold's young. He still hasn't hit his full potential. I think Perriman's going to see a lot more targets than he saw on the Bucks. And last season with the Bucks was his best season yet in a crowded offense. So when I think in an offense where he can be the number one guy with a, a young quarterback who we can create a strong relationship with, I think Brashad Perryman is another guy that could end up being a flex by the end of the season. Yeah, you know, I, I respect that decision. I would pump the brakes a little bit about the talk about him being the number one guy in this offense because I still think Jameson Crowder is that. But it's not... It's definitely not out of the realm of possibility that Perryman takes over as the Robbie Anderson for this team. He's got the same type of skills. He's extremely fast. He can beat guys in the air. Uh, he was drafted very high uh, as a player just a few years ago and never really panned out. So this is definitely his chance to show that he still has some value. Yeah, I think Jamison Crowder will still see his fair share of targets. I have question marks on Crowder just because... When he was with the Redskins, he never really performed. I think Kirk Cousins was his quarterback maybe when he was in the Redskins. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure, but he didn't really perform with him. And with Sam Darnold being so young, I think it's easier for Brashad Perriman to you know create a strong relationship with him and possibly see at least equal maybe targets between Brashad Perriman and Jamison Crowder. Yeah, that's fair. All right, moving on to my final sleeper. I have a bit of hometown bias here, but I still think it's a really solid pick, and that's Nikhil Harry. Harry only played in seven games for the Patriots last year, and as a result, had 24 catches for 105 yards and two touchdowns. So this is a bit of a deep sleeper, but he was a first-round pick. He's been working really hard this offseason with footwork coaches to really build on the one thing that he wasn't great on, which was creating space off the line. We know that he can be dominant in the air. He can win jump balls. He's got a huge frame. He's got really good hands. And he and Jarrett Stidham, that we saw in the preseason, they have a really good rapport. Assuming Stidham is the guy in New England, or even Brian Hoyer, Harry definitely has a chance to take the next step as this number two guy in this offense for the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, like, like you said, it's a little bit of hometown bias here. I like Nikhil Harry. He's going to be a freak athlete, and he's, he's building a strong relationship with Stidham in this offseason and in the season to come. So I think Nikhil Harry can see a, a lot bigger role in this offense. You know, Gronk's gone. It's no longer the Brady show. And I think 
with with Julian Edelman teaching on the ropes, I think Nikhil Harry can be a very good wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you agree with me, especially as a Patriots fan. Yes, of yeah. course. So, who's your final sleeper? My final guy is probably a little bit just because I love him, but it's Larry Fitzgerald. I think no. this this very may well be his last season in the NFL. Definitely. And I think he's going to have to go with a bang. I mean, he not, DeAndre Hopkins is now on this offense with the Cardinals, and I think that definitely overshadows Larry Fitzgerald and his potential. But he still put up 800 yards last year, and I would say he was the number one target. He, he had Kirk last year, but he was facing the number one cornerback in a lot of games last season. Yeah, he still produced decent numbers. And not only he doesn't have to face as strong of a quarterback, weak, cornerback week in and week out, he still can put up just as strong numbers. And Kyle Murray has another year under his belt, and they have more of an established relationship. I think Larry Fitzgerald will go out with a bang. I think he gets in a thousand yard season. I don't think he's gonna get to a thousand yards. I think that's a bit of a stretch, but I really respect the decision. We both love Fitz. By the time he hangs it up, he's gonna be a top five receiver of all time if he's not already. Um, so yeah, that uh, that's a wrap for our, our three segments, and we actually have a short final segment here called Draft or Pass. Here's how it works: I'll state a player, and we will say whether we would draft or pass on him at his current average draft position. Make sense to you? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, are you ready for the first player? Let's do it. Stefan Diggs in the sixth round. Would you draft or pass? I think I'd definitely draft him because if I'm drafting, if I can get Diggs in the sixth round, that kind of lines me up to put him in, in probably the flex position. I think he's honestly better than a flex. I think he's good enough to be a wide receiver too on your team. So I'm a big fan of having Diggs on my team in the sixth round. You took the words right out of my mouth. You know how high I, I am on Diggs this year, especially as the clear-cut number one option for the Bills. And if Josh Allen can figure it out, he could easily be a top-ten receiver uh, this year. So the next guy is Todd Gurley in the third round. Trent, I think I already know where we're going this with this, but draft or pass? I mean, I'm not only drafting him in the third round. I'm drafting him in the second round. I'm, I am drafting him... 10 times in the 10 in the third round. I'll never get there in one of my drafts with you, but I mean, I'm definitely drafting Gurley in the third round. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would take him too. I, I would probably take him in the late second round too if I needed another running back and he was the best guy available, which there's a chance he could be. All right, moving on, we have another running back, David Johnson in the third round. Would you draft or pass? I like David Johnson's potential. I like the system he's getting thrown into, and I think... He doesn't have much competition uh, in that Texans offense, or at least in the Texans backfield. So, yeah, I'm drafting David Johnson in the third round. That's fair. Yeah, I, I would draft too. I think David Johnson certainly has a chance to come in here and revitalize his career. In Houston, Bill O'Brien said that he has the potential to be a three-down back for them. Uh, he's definitely going to get the opportunity, and as a third-round pick, there's not much risk there for him, I would say. So, moving on, we have Tom Brady in the seventh round. Draft or pass? I'm passing on Brady. It's kind of crazy as a Pats fan, but he's up there in age, and there's a lot better quarterbacks I think you can get in the seventh round or, or even later. I, mean, I think Brady's going in the eighth or ninth round. I think he's, he's got a lot more potential. So, yeah, I, I, I'd say I have to pass on Brady this year it's in the seventh round. Yeah, I would pass on him too. There's so many better quarterbacks you could take left on the board Josh Allen just a name to throw out there but I'd probably rather have Aaron Rodgers maybe even Matt Ryan this year than Brady just because I don't think he's going to throw the ball that much in Tampa Bay but we'll see obviously he could prove us wrong and he's the GOAT so I hope he does yep 
Moving on, Melvin Gordon in the fourth round. Draft or pass? This is a tough one for me because I think there's a lot of strong running backs you can draft in this position. I think he's in a cluster with guys like Le'Veon Bell and Chris Carson. Well, I think I actually would prefer over Melvin Gordon this year just because I think he's not going to get their workhorse role until maybe the, the sixth or seventh week of the season, which limits his value a little bit. I'd rather be drafting Melvin Gordon in the fifth if I already have two running backs and I'm looking at a flex. I like drafting three running backs. So in this position, I'm going to say actually pass because I usually have two running backs up in, up until the point of me drafting Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth again. That's, that's my draft strategy as well. And Melvin Gordon, while everyone's expecting him to be the clear-cut number one guy uh, in Denver this year, Philip Lindsay's still there, Royce Freeman's still there. It's not so, so clear for me that he's going to step in right away and be the workhorse back. I think he'll definitely be that by the end of the year. But until that comes around... We'll see. So I think I'd pass him in the fourth round as well. So, Trent, we have the final guy, and it's another former Patriot. Rob Gronkowski in the sixth round. Are you drafting or passing? I like Gronk this year. I think he is going to see a lot of red zone targets. I think him and, and Mike Evans are going are gonna to split those, those share of red zone targets. I am going to pass on Gronk, though. Just because of how crowded it is in that offense, especially trying to get targets from an older Brady who's not going to throw as many balls, or at least we don't think he's going to throw as many balls this year. So I'm passing on Gronk in the sixth round, but like I hope he proves me wrong. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm passing on him too, just because I think there are other tight ends still available at that position I'd have over him. Guys like Austin Hooper, even Hayden Hurst, a guy down there, Noah Fant. Those are just three names that you could throw out there that I think have a higher ceiling the Gronk this year he's going to get the red zone targets but besides that he could easily have under 50 catches for the year yeah I mean he also sat out last season yeah, too. Like, yeah who knows what type of Gronk we're going to get coming into this year this season before that his final year before he retired he was a shell of himself we'll have to see yes we will and that is a wrap for this episode of the rollout we hope you enjoyed and we'll be back Thursday for another episode stay safe out there everyone Thank you.